Well, as always, I want to thank all of those who have helped to put this worship service together. Uh, for Alan Wenzel, who was our liturgist this morning. Uh, for Sally Ritterbush, who offered our special music today. Um, for our Wacky Wednesday program, which was part of our children's time today. Um, and for Gary Brubaker and our praise team, who always put our music together so well. Uh, so thank you. Now, like I said, we are closing our series today um, about Sunday School Stories Growing Up. And um, the stories that we may have learned in Sunday School as children, how they sound differently as adults. But the truth is, they may sound differently if we heard them as adults as when we heard them as adults. Sometimes our viewpoint changes. And so we've talked about Noah and the Ark, David and Goliath, Zacchaeus, and we'll close this morning with Paul and Silas. So, would you pray with me? God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, for the most part, um, after the Gospels and the book of Acts, the New Testament really isn't a storybook. I mean, there's a lot of letters to um, churches established or churches establishing um, or groups of people uh, that Paul was trying to encourage or, or maybe even try to correct. Um, not really the, the same kind of stories that we're used to from the Old, the, from the Old Testament in particular. Um, and so there's a change in style between the Old Testament and the New Testament, at least in part. Um, a lot of the Old Testament was largely an oral tradition, stories passed along for generations. Um, and until, um, until about the exile, uh, the Jewish people realized that someone needed to record these stories in case they forgot or they ceased to exist. Um, they needed their story to be told, so it started to get written down after that. Um, and especially with Paul and his letters, um, Paul's letters were, uh, or the other authors uh, of the letters as well, they were written and read throughout communities. And you well know that telling a story is very different than writing a letter. And so I think that's why a lot of times our Sunday school stories are often um, Old Testament stories. I mean, unless they're the Jesus-y ones, of course. And um, the Gospels and the Book of Acts really have some great stories. So um, the Book of Acts is where our scripture comes from today. And the longer title of the Book of Acts is the Acts of the Apostles. And if you want an even longer title, it's Luke and Acts of the Apostles. So the same author of the Gospel of Luke is also the author of the Book of Acts. And in a lot of ways, the book of Acts picks up where um, the gospel of Luke leaves off. And so you sort of can, you can read them as a continuous story. The book of Acts tells the stories of the early church, some of the disagreements of the disciples, how the church seemed to function or not in the beginning, um, and some of the missionary journeys of sharing the gospel. Now in um, in the book of Acts, we hear some of the beginnings of Paul and who he is as an apostle. We get more pictures of who he is through his letters as he shares some personal details about his life, um, who he was, what kind of a preacher or missionary or disciple he was. 
much like others in scripture, Paul is complicated. And I have confessed probably every time I say something about Paul, Paul and I have a complicated relationship. Maybe you do too. Um, And those are probably stories for another day. But Paul is well known throughout the scriptures. And Paul and and Silas went on missionary journeys together to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And they went several places. In fact, in some of Paul's other letters, um, he's mentioned, um, Silas is often referred to in Paul's letters as Silvanus, um, uh, probably his more professional or legal name. Um, now, we don't know what, uh, too much about what happened to Silas after this. Um, I mean, we have a, a couple of references, but overall, what happened to Silas, um, what, we, what is known or what is believed about Silas is that he was believed to have been martyred. And a martyr is someone who is killed because of their faith. So um, Silas, much like I pre- pretty much all of the disciples, including Paul, um, were murdered for their faith. So the beginning of the story of Paul and Silas, we have uh, Paul and Silas entering Philippi, which is a Greek city, um, which would probably also mean that it was largely Gentile or not Jewish which is pretty typical of where Paul goes on his missionary journeys, are to these places that are um, Gentile or not Jewish. And as they're there, they encounter a slave girl um, who was a fortune teller, or as the scripture says, she had a spirit of divination. And she follows Paul and Silas around the square, basically announcing what they're doing. She says, these men are the slaves of the most high God who proclaim you a way of salvation. So she does this for a few days. And I mean, that's not really a terrible announcement, right? That is who they are. Um, they are um, they're serving God um, and are proclaiming this way of salvation through Jesus Christ. So, I mean, it's not really, an, it's not an untrue statement. Um, and she is uh, following them around all over and announcing this basically everywhere that they are. And so after a little while, <laughs> Paul gets annoyed by this. And um, uh, Paul gets annoyed and is like, demon out. Like he exercises her. Um, He exercises the demon from her. So just think about that and just ruminate on that for just a minute. Paul is annoyed and casts the demon out. I mean, now there are there are some really good reasons why he cast this demon out for a whole bunch of other reasons, but it says the scripture says Paul was annoyed and cast the demon out. Like, oh my gosh, just get this girl to be quiet. <clears throat> I just anyway. Now, in this part by by this part of the story, um, and maybe for you, this is where the part of the story it just gets to be a little too hard to believe. I mean, maybe it was a demon that was exercised from her. And during that time of history, there was also a lesser understanding about physical and mental health. And often, if there was a problem that couldn't be understood or explained, it was because of a demon or an evil spirit. So, was this girl possessed by a demon 
Did she have mental health issues? Did she have physical health issues? I mean, it's not very clear other than what we know is that she had the spirit of divination. She was a fortune teller and Paul cast a demon out of her. So the demon is cast out and this girl is healed, which you would think would be great news, right? I mean, if you had someone who uh, in, your, in your family or in your life who had been struggling with these things and suddenly they were well, you would think like, that's great news. I'm so happy about it. Except, well, in this case, it's not. <laughs> um, the family was furious and they brought charges against Paul and Silas for healing this girl. Why? Well, because Paul and Silas interfered with their money. This girl made money for them. They took advantage of her disability for their own gain. I mean, it wasn't even her family. This was their slave girl. So now this slave girl who they probably either um, had because of a debt someone else owed to them, or perhaps she or her family owed to them, um, or they purchased her because of somebody else's debt, but they owned her and now she was you know, useless to them because that's how we treat human beings, but whatever. Um, and so now she has no, nothing to offer to them or to repay whatever debt she is trying to repay, um, which would make them, of course, angry. And they convince the authorities and others that they should be just as concerned as well. Because this is where the followers of Jesus often got into trouble. You're messing with people's economy. You're messing with people's way of life. And when people are freed and experience true freedom, it means that other people start to lose their power. And in this case, I mean, when people who are in power feel a threat to their power, they lash out. And so in this case, Paul and Silas, and really all the followers of Jesus are, are a threat because they'll interfere with our economy. You mess with my money, I mess with you. You mess with my way of life and my way of comfort and my power. Oh, I'll show you. And so Paul and Silas are thrown into jail and they're thrown into the innermost cell, which means that they're intentionally cut off. So um, during in jails during that time, jails weren't like, I mean, the buildings that we might think of today of what jails or prisons look like. Um, in jails during that time, they were often caves or they were dark, dingy places. Um, they, and, and, and in order to be supported, you weren't supported by the jailers or by the magistrates or the officials who threw you in jail. During that time, you relied on someone on the outside for everything. So the jailers or the officials didn't feed you. Someone from the outside fed you. So you were trusting that family or friends or your community would come and bring you food or bring you some kind of a connection to the outside world. You know, so you were relying on people outside for food, for communication, really for everything. And so being cut off from ways to communicate with the outside world 
would mean likely Paul and Silas wouldn't have access to food or any other support. So it was sort of an added torture to the normal torture of jail. And it says that they were beaten and put in the innermost cell and their feet were in stocks. And Paul and Silas's reaction to this, at midnight, they started worshiping and singing. Even when they were expected to be the most beaten down and crushed, they sang hymns and praise songs and worshiped God. It would have been understandable for them to have been crushed. I mean, that was the intent of the punishment and the additional, the, the additional um, adding of being in the innermost cell. And yet they held strong to their faith during this time and, held, and they held on to worship even when it was difficult. And then an earthquake happened and everything was loosened and they had the ability to leave. They were freed. And the guard saw that what, was hap- what had happened, that everything was open and was about to die by suicide because the punishment against him would have been worse than anything else. By him not keeping all of the prisoners or keeping them locked up, even though this was not his fault, it would have brought shame to him and to his family. And so rather than experience that shame or his family experience that shame, he thought it's better just to die. And so he was going to die by suicide. Um, until he hears from Paul and Silas and they cry out and they say, we're all still here. Think about this. You praise and worship God. You're in the innermost cell, disconnected from everything and everyone. And now you have the chance for freedom and you stay. You could have left and been freed, but they didn't. And in part, it was to show what true freedom is to everyone. And the guard found freedom in Christ, Jesus Christ as well. So then... The next morning, it's discovered that Paul and Silas are Roman citizens, which is a big deal because it meant that the punishment that they just received uh, is kind of illegal. So Roman citizens weren't allowed to be beaten or put into stocks or put into the innermost cell. Roman citizens were taken to court and they had their day in court. So they didn't get punished right away or even at all. Um, They got to go to court. And Paul and Silas, they didn't get that. It was assumed that they weren't Roman citizens. And so they were punished by being beaten and thrown into stocks in the innermost cell. So that punishment that they received was actually illegal. And so the officials of town go to Paul and Silas and they're like, hey, how about you just kind of just leave? I mean, don't, let's not make a big deal out of this. Sorry. Just kind of, you know. Bye. And, uh, And Paul says, no. Oh, no, that's not how we're gonna do things. You beat us in public. You declared our guilt 
in public. You told everyone we're going in the innermost cell in public. We're not going to deal with this privately. And that's because true freedom also means that your abusers have to face what they've done when they've oppressed or wrongly treated you. This is a great story. I mean, maybe it's not a story that you're familiar with. I remember hearing it in vacation Bible school and, and largely around the earthquake and, um, and, uh, and everything falling and you know Paul and Silas being freed. But I didn't know all of this other stuff that was a part of it. I mean, this is a great story. And here's, it, it, tells, um, it tells a lot about what the early church and even the early Christians went through. The accusations that they had, you're taking our money. Hmm. What risks they went and, and what risks they took to live that gospel message. I mean, Paul and Silas and the whole prison could have left and they didn't. Almost all of the disciples were martyred. They were killed for their faith. What risks they took to share and to live this gospel message. The way that they praised in the middle of difficulties. I mean, even this story is sort of, I mean, even a microcosm of the larger story and the larger narrative of early Christians. And it should help to give us courage to live the same way that they did. To stand up for those who have been enslaved and mistreated and oppressed and demand justice and fair treatment. To look for God in the darkness and even the innermost selves. To do what is right for others, even when it's not easy. And there are so many hopeful reflections we can take from the story. And to be honest, we probably all catch on to a slightly different take. And that doesn't make it wrong. It's what makes the scriptures alive. That we continue to find life in and through these stories and the way that God speaks to each of us. The ways that we find ourselves in the story. So who are you? Are you the guard? Are you the slave girl? Are you the owners of the slave girl? Are you Paul and Silas? Are you another prisoner or the guards family? Are you the city officials? Are you someone else in the story? Because also who we identify with changes how we hear the story. And the Holy Spirit continues to invite us into the story that God is writing and that God is telling. And we get to be a part of it, to tell our parts, our stories of faith, the ways that we have found freedom in Jesus Christ, the ways that God in Jesus Christ has changed our lives. We get to tell that story and we get to write the story with God together to tell our story to others so that they may find freedom, so that then they can tell their story and they can tell their story and they can tell, th that's why we're here today 
because those stories have been told. And so may we continue to help write those stories together with God. And may that story we tell be a story of the true freedom that we find in Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Amen.